0: How does a joke writer take a punchline from a voice memo to a major Netflix special? Today, I'm with comedian Todd Glass, here on The Writing Process. Hey, welcome to the fourth episode of the first season of The Writing Process, deep dive podcast conversation with writing masters. I'm your host Chris Wink. Now I gotta say I've scheduled and coordinated a dozen interviews for this podcast so far and over the last decade of my reporting career I've done hundreds of others but I've never quite had the experience I got scheduling with today's guest Todd Glass. He's one of today's leading comedy headliners fresh off the release of his new Netflix special, Act Happy. If you don't already listen to his podcast, you can find him all over YouTube in web series with people like Sarah Silverman and Zach Galifianakis. Indeed, Todd Glass is very deep in today's comedy world, so he was just the kind of voice I wanted to better understand what writing looks like to comedians. Given his status, you can understand why I found it somewhat unorthodox that, while we were scheduling the interview, he took to leaving me slightly bizarre, meandering voicemails. Here's one.
1: Hello. Christopher Todd Glass. So, I have some dental work done today, so I'm a little groggy. But, um, I probably will make it. I'm probably not going to die. So, Tomorrow night might even be good. I didn't hear your message, and I apologize. But I'll be home all night tonight. If I miss your call, it's just because I walked away from my phone. Left it on the sofa and walked into the kitchen, but I'll call you right back. But tomorrow night could work. Maybe even like, well, somewhere 3.30 in the evening, 4 o'clock in the evening, 6.30 in the evening. All right, we'll talk, we'll get something, we'll figure it out, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah, I know. I had to ask my wife, is Todd Glass fucking with me? Once we finally got the thing scheduled, he was right as rain, we certainly set his expectations high at the outset. Like, before he even said hello, this is how he greeted me when he picked up the phone.
1: Stutter over a word, we're done, I hang up. And not only do I end the interview, I take my phone, I go outside and I throw it at a puppy.
0: That is a character Todd Glass often takes. He'll launch into a rageful rant, but then change speed and volume with great speed. The jokes, they range too. His sets often subtly push on inclusion topics, particularly confronting topics like homophobia Way back in 2012, he came out publicly as gay in a moving episode of fellow comedian Mark Marin's popular podcast, WTF. But Todd is clearly as uncomfortable being a progressive crusader as he is being called a writer. Todd grew up with several learning disabilities. He didn't do great in school. It's the class clown made good narrative, and it's interesting to see it in his stand-up. His sets often include the observational humor that dominates stand-up, but he does it differently. Fewer tidy edited jokes and more concepts, like he's still joking around in school. Let me give you an example. He has this bit on Kmart, which you can watch him develop across several different sets, all recorded on YouTube. This is the version from his new Netflix special. That's Basically the biggest damn stage a comic gets today. But even though I know he's workshopped this bit for months, I mean, if not years, hear how he steps on his own punchline.
1: Is Kmart trying to go out of business? What don't they get? I'm being serious. Like, I hope it's funny, but I hope that you're like, yeah, what don't they get? Because everybody makes fun of Kmart for being a shithole, but nobody goes, what don't they? What's the problem? You know? Don't they see that Target... Here's Target. Here's the, uh, the, the business plan for Target. We'll basically sell what Kmart sells, but we'll wipe shit off. What do you think? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think there might be some there.
0: And then the joke rolls a bit more, but that's actually the punchline. It wasn't the final line. He, he was still working through it. It's funny. It's better for a comedy club than a sitcom. This is the stuff of someone who uses writing not for precision, but to create order in his live, audience-friendly style. That's the kind of thing I was interested in learning more about. Now, it's worth noting that he's still experimenting, which you can see in that Netflix special. For one, he features a house band on stage that he works with in a kind of frenzied, improvisational way. He also stretches on subject matter. He rants about how criticisms of political correctness often mask a desire for hate speech, It's heady stuff for an observational comic. All that comes with a comfort in himself, his voice, and his platform. And you're gonna hear about that in our interview today. During our conversation, we talked about his joke development from voice memos to that Netflix special. We talked about the balance of sobriety while writing, and we even talked about using index cards to edit a set on a hotel wall. Also, Look out for the difference between a punchline with the phrase unexplained children's deaths and unexplained deaths. Now that's line editing. Okay, as a small warning, unfortunately due to scheduling constraints with Todd, I couldn't record as I normally do. So we're stuck with a recording from my phone. From our hour-long conversation, I've trimmed us down to the best half hour. But yeah, I admit there are still moments of rather poor audio quality. It's worth it, believe me, and it's also somewhat fitting, as you're going to hear how important his iPhone is to his comedy writing process of today. We started by talking about how he wrote down ideas when he first got into comedy in 11th grade, and how that's evolved from there.
1: So the first memory I have would be like literally after my open mic night, I started to write a list of... Things that I wanted to talk about, mm. and I would put it out there on the stool. I wrote even back then. I wrote it really big, uh, like with black sharpie, big black oh, yeah. sharpie. Because I'm surprised how many people go on stage with notes and have to pick up their, you know, look at it. Let right. me you know, <laughs> just throw it down on the stool, and then you have, and then also when you're ending one joke. You don't have. By the way, if you have a great memory, then this wouldn't even apply to you. But I like when I'm at the end of one joke and I can glance down and see what's next without having to pick it up or look at it. Just a quick glance, quick glance down, big black letters, boom. That's what I got coming up next. So I brought those on stage, and then I had a folder. My my handwriting is horrendous. It's the the words. (laughs) My 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 mom tells a story how her and my brother. We're driving in the car, and I left my notebook in there, and they were reading it, trying to figure out, like, what meant what. Of course, affectionately, but, you know, and going, oh, my God, we couldn't steal one of these jokes because we don't even know what – we don't know what – it was, like, very illegible, mm-hmm. Whatever. illegible. So yeah. So <laughs> those were – that notebook, that folder that I had, I used, there were still pieces of paper in there from probably 25 years ago, and then when I got my iPhone, which, by the way, I'm, I, I don't regret this at all, I put everything in my phone. I it was like I, I was so happy to get rid of the clutter and the papers. It's nostalgic, but you know what? I have other things that remind me of things. I didn't need that. So till about <laughs> maybe, yeah, about whenever the first iPhone came out, here that was, I got it. like As soon as right. it came out, and then I was like, oh, I think I can handle this
0: and got rid of all my pages. So is that one of the biggest changes in your process from starting in 11th grade to, you know, the first iPhone, that you go from Sharpie on paper to to when a, a concept comes in your mind going to the phone? Is, is that a big change? Well, I still will write
1: things on a Sharpie. Like if I'm going up on stage and I want to, you know, remember to thank a few people at the end and maybe there's five right. new j- jokes I want to do. But, yeah, I, I, the phone has you could say, changed my life as far as, you know, being able to go to my phone. And, and now the verbal commands are, you know, yeah, you can get frustrated on a bad day, but overwhelmingly, they're amazing. Right. They're amazing. So now I can just go in them well, the old way I used to do it, I, this sounds crazy, I, uh, I, the verbal commands weren't great when I got my cell phone, so I would leave messages, send voice memos to my friend Dana, Right, he would get those voice memos and then add it to the end of my jokes and put it in my you know and it would end up in my phone, but then the voice commands were great now I just go to there put 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 my you know for me, I don't write anything out it's about at max you know maybe three sentences to remind me of the jokes, even if I took some good notes, it would still only be three or four sentences the concept of the joke, then a few bullet points if there are any necessary. So to be able to do it in the phone was great. Before that, I would have to write things down, and that was that's difficult even if you're great at writing, let right. alone if you're horrendous at writing. It's, <laughs> it's like that old Mitch Hedberg joke, you know, if I think of a great idea in the middle of the night, I have to convince myself why it's not
0: a good idea so I don't have to get up and get a pen. <laughs> you're saying that first step is if I have a rough concept or I work out some structure, I'm gonna I'm going to record it on my phone and then later suss out the details? Or, or do you yeah, want that like, moment to get the detail?
1: No, no, no. I record it always because then I don't have to think. Even if I have to say it and then my phone, there's still a way, you know. Like, if you want, and I will not be offended, I can even go to my notes and sort of show you what I mean. I'd love that. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, and, you know, here's the oh It's so funny. Like, here's when I say the first joke, it's the first joke when I started to organize my jokes. I'm sure there's jokes that are not here, but the first one is like, uh, oh, my God. Singing is not the best. Singing is not the purest art form because you have to rhyme. Really, because con- <laughs> complaining is actually the most pure form of art. <laughs> um, but now I'll take you all the way to the bottom so I get a little and, bit And more. just even
0: to be super literal, Todd, so that is in the moment that would have been what crossed your mind and you would have said that and, and, and like, your phone, you would have done the recording, you know, where they do, like, the, the, the audio to, to word, what is it, audio to yeah. text tran, translation. And so you said those words into your phone and it's written down, and then later on stage you might give it a try.
1: First thing I would do, because I don't even want to, even when you're going voice, you know, that's going to – you know, voice activation. That, that you still have to go a little bit slower and you might have a rambling thought. So I don't do the way. First thing I Got do it. is make a, a voice memo.
0: Okay. I
1: make a voice memo. That way you can talk sloppy. You can just say whatever you want. You don't have to slow down. Blah, 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 blah. And if friends are in the background, they'll remind you of stuff. and You'll throw that on there. Because a lot of times it comes when I'm hanging out with my friends. Got and it. Then the next day or two days later or whenever, I try to do it the next day so it doesn't represent a lot of, Uh, Work. So the next day I will listen to it, and then from that I will make it. I will try it out, and uh, if it works, I will add it to the end of my jokes. Uh, Like I'll give you an example. Yeah. Now look, this is not gonna. uh, I was trying to explain to somebody what the hotel I was working at in Vegas was like. I like if the Cheesecake Factory had a cruise. And then it goes, dot, dot, dot. Remember, tell the audience. People love these announcements. They are not annoyed by them, exclamation, exclamation point. So people would be out by the pool and hear things like this, dot, 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 in quotes. Have the sound effect of a ship horn being played the whole time you're making these announcements, dot, dot, dot. And then, I, then on something like this, I will go A, B, so it's number, uh, whatever, I stopped numbering them. So what, when did I stop numbering them? Hold on. I'm going over there. When I started, yeah, it's at about 980, I stopped numbering Wow. Them. So then I will go, you know, announcements like this, and then I will go A, B, C, D, because there's going to be a list of things. And they're like, um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, today at four on the Lido deck, eat your height and butter. Um, <laughs> Would you like to take – B, would you like to take a ride on a gigantic helicopter made of pork chops? <laughs> um, C, um, wait, what is that? Oh, eat your weight in fudge. Today is <laughs> This next announcement, say it's made at four in the morning. Good morning, everybody. Today we've emptied out our pool and filled it with Spaghetti. <laughs> So come on down to the Lido deck and eat all the spaghetti you want. So that's like that. But most of the time it's like, um, uh, I was, Oh no, that's not, I don't like that one. Um, anyway, that, that's basically, um, why do ads do, Oh, when ads,
0: I, I think I answered your question. I'm just going on too long. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So Is there a step in between concept, you know, hanging out with friends, to workshopping on stage? Is there a step in between where you refine an idea before going to stage, or or do you go to stage to refine? Well, if you you think that I did
1: this five minutes, it wasn't five minutes when I first did it. It could have been 30 seconds. Right. Like the Cheesecake Factory uh, thing was, you know, I had two examples. And then I was working with Chip Chantry, who was a comedian, and um, I kept saying, give me more ideas, and he would walk out on stage like every ten minutes and hand me more. So, <laughs> but the first night I did that, it was short. So, no, I, I, will, um, I will, you know, say it into my voice recorder, and then sometimes I'm positive it's funny. I don't even need to try it out really first i'll just throw it on to the end of the jokes i know that i'm gonna you just have a sense you know if i'm wrong i can always take it out but before i usually add it to my jokes i'll listen to the voice recording in the morning i'm like okay and i'll write it down on a piece of paper that i just keep it's just for that so the next time i go on stage from that piece of paper i will try out a few new ideas hey sometimes i erase Sometimes I wake up in the morning, I hear the voice recording, and I don't even ever do anything with it because, right. you know, I was – you know, maybe you're, you're just in a silly mood and it seemed funny, or a lot of times when you're high, uh, <laughs> an idea can seem funny. But I will tell you this. A lot of times, you know, the marijuana just, you know, it just brings another type of silliness out in you. So a lot of times ideas written when I'm high end up being
0: awesome ideas. Right. Do you, is that something you even – you think you track it all? Meaning, do you think you could say some of my best work comes, you know, well, when i high? Or, or it's, it's, uh, it's a variety?
1: I, I think George Carlin said something like this. I try to take some of the things I'll do when I'm high. Look, some things, you know, and I'll take them and do them, implement them when I'm not high. So you go, okay, what did the pot do? What it really did for me, if I have to say, it, well... You know, pretty silly anyway, but <laughs> it, it just goes, you go down some paths. Performing when I'm high um, has plus and minuses. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't say my best work, but I would say a lot of work, a lot of good stuff does come from it. I never write anything down except for bullet points. I never sit down and go, oh, I'm going to write a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, things happen, and then I take notes. A few mantras that I try to write down. I do have, I do have a
0: piece of paper that, uh,
1: like, now it's uh, in my little office, and I have it, like, you know, up on this board. And then it's also in my stage notes, and it says, I know what it means, but it says, talk like you talk meaning don't, don't put an affectation on your voice of professionalism. Sometimes you're getting ready to do television, especially in the past years, and you start doing your act like it's, you know, more like it's from the 80s where there was a little bit more of a, I'm doing stand-up. And, <laughs> you know, and then, and then, you know, styles change, and just like fashion does, and I try to always think that's the, Right after, I, I'll, look at my, I'll look at an old special and I'll think, oh, why am I talking like that? I'm not, mm. That's not how I talk. What am, you can, And goes, a little bit is understandable. You're performing. But I'm talking about when it's for me, for me, when it's past that. So I try to remember, talk like you talk. And the other thing I write down is, now this. this definitely isn't for everybody, but it's for me. I don't want to become a parody of myself. So when I complain about things, I also say remember to talk about what brings you joy. You can talk mm. about what you can talk about what pisses you off, you can talk about what angers you, you can talk about what frustrates you. You can talk but but for me I go remember to talk about what brings you joy. And okay. that helps me a lot. That really helps me a lot. Cuz you think, well what's funny about that? Of course there's Of course there will be funny things, you know.
0: Right. Right and and yeah that, that that's interesting. Um, on the bullet points that I, I think you mentioned, I have to think there there you know there are different kinds of jokes. There are jokes that the, the 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 punchline is the circumstance, and of course just being a storyteller that that'll come out naturally and be funny. But I have to think, and, and of course you said it too, you said it earlier. Some comics just have a different relationship with writing, but I would think any comic has you know a few of those jokes that really that that last line, you found the right wording. And is that something that you will ever write down? You'll say, like, hey, I don't have this joke 100%. I want to work it out and write it. I want to write it down to see the tightest version of it? Or, or does that, even that doesn't quite work?
1: No, I've never done that once. But what I will do, like, when I'm getting ready to do something important, and, again, usually it comes when you're getting ready to do a special, because I do get the concept of especially recording your set. I've been told to record my set my whole career. When I was getting, when, when I was getting ready for the last special I did for Netflix, so every time I say that, I go inward and think, all right, you don't have to keep mentioning it, but no, we're talking about writing. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: when, when I was getting ready for the last, I, I traveled with a comedian friend of mine, and we literally would go up, in the hotel room, and put postcards, you know, with all the technology that's awesome, sometimes good old-fashioned, you know, we put postcards up, you know, all over the wall, and we would go, oh, that joke should go over there. That would help me chunk it, because what a friend of mine is really good at, not only helping me with jokes, but I call it, I need some help chunking it up. Like, sometimes my friend Daniel would watch my set and he'd go, oh, why don't you do this joke there? That's the same thing you're talking about. I go, oh, yeah, next thing you know, oh, there's five jokes that I put together. I, you know, I chunk right. them up. I, you know, or those jo- that's a joke about a dog. I go, oh, I guess that is. I don't think about that being a joke about a dog. I think it about being a joke about my aunt. he goes, oh, yeah. I go, yeah, put it up there. Next thing you know, you're chunking your act up, with, which helps you remember it better. And sometimes a, thir- a different set of ears can really help that. And um, that's one thing I do. But also, yes, then I will – and by the way, this was so successful in doing this, I thought to myself – and I'll go back to uh, what you asked. I thought, oh, and we were doing it every night. I went on the road every night. We'd wake up the next day. We'd put – we'd start, start, you know, looking at what happened last night, watch the video. It was so successful. I said, you know, even when I go on the road from now on, if I don't do it every night or every morning, the next day with the other comedian – Okay, how about once a week? And then I right. changed it. I go, how about twice a month? I really wanted to set my expectations, really make it realistic for me. Twice a month, do that. Look how successful that was. Look how productive that was. I never did it again. So <laughs> until I got ready for this special and I did the same thing. I don't know why. I would imagine it's laziness, which I'm not proud of. But <laughs> but the um, the question you asked, the specific question was, you know, do I ever do that? And yes, that's when I do it. And then we'll change a word. I go, what's the problem there? And he'll go, oh well, they hear like for instance, I had a joke. I go, you know, there, uh, people say, oh, there weren't peanut allergies when I was growing up. You right. know, and it, look, and I say in my act that really seems like a very precise. An, an intelligent thing to say. I disagree with it, but I get someone going, there were not peanut allergies 50 years ago. And then I would say, yeah, but you know what there were a lot of? Unexplained children's deaths. <laughs> now, that, but it started to hit a glitch with the audience. I had no idea why. Maybe if I would have recorded it and watched it myself, I would have figured it out. But right. my friend Daniel was watching it. He went, children's death. It, I go, oh, of course, fuck." there weren't a lot of peanut allergies back then, but you know what there were a lot of unexplained deaths. Right. It was, it was that word. So sometimes, believe me, words, you know, I don't even need to finish the sentence. I mean, that was like a very specific thing. Take that out and, and put that in. And
0: that's very helpful. So that, 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 that's such a great example. And I want to pause there for a second to clarify. And that being an example, maybe we might even get to another one. I think these are so crucial, but you're saying, as you look more closely at it, the word children, the phrase children's death, the word children made audiences pause, am I allowed to laugh at this? But just making it unexplained death was punchier and funnier. Is that what you yeah. mean in that sense? Yeah, yeah not. And, and by
1: the way, not even like, you know, not allowed to laugh. It, it's sadder, a child, you know, like right. we know, like. You know, it, the, death is death, but there's different layers of, layers of the, the, you know, of the sadness of it. You know, when a 90 year old person dies, of course it's sad, but yeah, you get. It. I don't need to explain. And and yes, it was just child death. It's like wow, that really. And I go, oh, that's why. But and then there's 50 other things that happen like that. And there was a period where I would have to say, you know, all right, you know what, these are great crowds. I have to give them credit for being great crowds. That doesn't mean they're right 100% of the time, but I value this crowd's opinion as a mass, as a mass. Right, right. And as a mass, it's time to just say goodbye to a joke. It's time to just say goodbye to a joke. And, uh, and I would, and I would do it gracefully because, you know, I can't, you know, you can't always blame the audience. You know, I think there's a time – when I say the audience, we're not talking about the individual people in the audience. Like right. I said, the, the audience has a collective pulse. Uh, in, and on a night, sometimes it's, it's not only a good thing, but thank, thank God there's comedians that ignore the pulse – of the collective audience. Otherwise, there'd be a lot of brilliant jokes that would get thrown in the trash because mm-hmm. the collective pulse that night didn't like it. But, like anything, the other extreme is to say they're always wrong. Right. Even the best crowds in the world, if I'm at the Acme Comedy Club or a Helium, one of the Helium Comedy Clubs or, you know, there's just so many, and, and these crowds are great, you have to go, well, look, come on. Your job is to make it work in front of an audience. It's okay if you go, oh, those crowds suck. I'm not. But at one point, I mean, you can hand out pamphlets and just hand them to people on the corner and never have to do anything. You are <laughs> saying, I I want to make a living off of my words, but I also, I want to do stand-up comedy. So that, you know, does mean you're, you at least want to be able to, you know, tell it to an audience and they appreciate it.
0: Of course. Yeah. No, yeah. no shit. And – Go ahead. No, I mean, that is the kill your darlings, which is a phrase in journalism and much of fiction writing, the idea that sometimes something you love just won't ring true for whatever your audience is, but you're hitting on a really interesting concept, which is the really fast and immediate feedback loop with comedy. And so to to, to repeat what you said just to see if I have it right, that, um, of course, one individual uh, member of an audience, of course, even one night of an audience, of course, even one section of an audience, they can't make a decision. That's foolish. But if several nights in several clubs which you, which you come to know as being, you know, having a strong audience, if a joke that you love and you just think it's, it, it's one of your favorites, you think it's so good, but it consistently is getting you know, not the laugh that you think it ought to get, that's something where you're going to take a hard look at it and consider just cutting it from the act? Is that what you said? Right,
1: right, right. Yeah, because at one point you have to go. Okay, you know why isn't this? And there's always a reason. And sometimes you can figure the reason out. Other times, of course, I can't think of any now. There are jokes that you go, like uh, you know, I get, can I can I give you an example? Please. Um, you know, I don't know why I like this joke, and it was. And, and eventually, I I sort of made it work, but boy, was it exhausting. And the <laughs> joke was, you know, I hit a food truck. You know, I like food trucks. The food is good, but and this, this ended up in the, in the special, but, um, you know, uh, the, the problem is, you know, you hit a food truck, I get it, you got to, you, you know, you hit, I'm, I'm probably fucking the joke up right now, but I hit a food truck, you know, you got to get the guy a front bumper, okay, I get it, you know, but now I got to get the guy, a, you know, a new, a, a, a new uh, deep fryer, okay, <laughs> no, I mean, I get it, I hit it, no, no, I hit a food truck, oh, great, oh, my insurance fault, I got to get the guy a new windshield, hey, it's my fault, I backed into the car but I get to get them 20 boxes of hard-shell tacos. No, I, don't, I mean, I hit a food truck. I didn't, I didn't think I hit a restaurant. I, now, no, I don't have restaurant insurance. But anyway, it would never – it never worked. I thought it was so – but eventually I just had the band to make every sound effect, you know, clean clanging, right. clanging, buzzers, drum rims, drum shots, you know, ratchet turns, triangle hits, and I just did the joke and never gave up. Right.
0: So, I mean, I don't you know, know if
1: that's the same joke, Ethan,
0: but I made it right. right. And, and I, I I, just a, w- one last push there before we, you know, we're in our final minutes here, but um, a clarification in, the, in a joke like that is that's obviously a perfect example of where you can explore in space too because the construct is, is, is straightforward, right? I, I have a car accident which you all recognize, a thing you have all identify with, but I had a unique experience. It's a food truck. And then the punchline is just, what is, you know, is it hard shell tacos? Is it deep fryer? What is the thing that might get you laughs? And so I imagine part of your lingering on the joke is feeling like, I want to find what is the, you know, what is the, what is the thing that's going to make you laugh? Is yeah, was it a, a five-speed
1: blender? Was right. it five boxes of dinner napkins? Was it, you know, six bottles of canola oil? And then eventually I just, you know, decided to just, hey, by the way, I don't even know if this joke still, I don't know if I ever got the joke to work, but I put enough noise around it where I couldn't do it. (laughs) We say, oh, we can't talk about anything anymore because, oh, you could never say this now. But why would you want to say it? People watch old movies and they'll go like, oh, you could never do that anymore. Well, maybe you don't need to. Maybe it was mm-hmm. done. Maybe they used comedy to put a litmus test on absurdity. Maybe they used comedy to put a litmus test on hatred. So you, that movie, when you say, oh, we don't need that, that to say that anymore, you're not, again, spitting on old movies like, you know, Blazing Saddles or old TV shows like, you know, Archie Bunker. You're just saying, no, theirs aren't the boundaries that need to be pushed. So someone might go, well, what boundaries are we pushing? And when you mention them, they don't agree with them. So they just think no boundaries are being pushed because the boundaries that are being pushed aren't boundaries that maybe this old guy or old woman thinks that are. They don't agree with them. So you give them examples of how we do push boundaries still. They're just different boundaries.
0: That's great. That's great. That
1: was great. Um, You're damn fucking right it was. (laughs)
0: So my, my, uh, my last question for you, yeah, we'll, we'll, go, we'll be a little over time, not terribly. Um, you were so gracious in giving a few examples like this, but I wonder if there's another joke, maybe in particularly from, from the special, um, so I can maybe even, um, you know, point, point audiences to it, of a joke that you could trace back how much it changed. Ideally, if you remember a, like, voice memo to, you know, index card, to, well, first I do, time on show, to, that'd be awesome, yes.
1: I do, and, and, you know, I saw you, you obviously grace, gracefully, uh, texted me over some of the questions, uh, there was like two, obviously we've talked a lot longer, but two questions or three you sent me over, and yeah. one of them, as soon as I read it, it was in my, it was in the last one, um, I think, uh, it, I know it was in the last special, the one, like, from five, five years ago, uh, And one of the words, I'll I'll say it, but I even hate saying it, you know, we were were in a hotel, and it was me and like five comedians, and there was that sign on the wall that said, a towel hanging up means I'll use it again, but a towel on the floor means I will, uh, I will, uh, I want a new one. So I said, what's a washcloth on your night table mean with jizz on it? (laughs) Now, I hate that word. By my own, not anybody, I can say that word. But I just didn't like it. So I get up in the morning, I listen to my voice memo, and we're all laughing. You know, what's the night? What's the talus? So I'm like, ah. Oh. And then my, I, I just don't want to say that word on stage. And I did, and it would get a huge laugh. But I just there's something about that word. I don't, you know, it's just, uh, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Well, Jesus, I'm talking about a double entendre. <laughs> um, but anyway, so then my friend goes, what about, what's, what's a, what's a, a washbox with cum on it? I go, oh, mm. that should be better, but it seems even worse. So, But I like the joke. And by the way, sometimes it's either do the joke the way it was or, or you're not going to – but, you know, you just do it the way it is. That's the way it's funny. You're trying to fix it, and you can't. But sometimes you can. And in this case, I was. And it, and it didn't – some of them might go, well, did it, I'll tell you what it was in a second. But it's not like I went, well, it still gets a laugh. Not the same laugh. It gets the same laugh. And I, my friend Daniel, he's the one that uh, came up with it. He goes, uh, Daniel Kino, by the way, just in case he needs a shout out. You of course. Know. Yeah. So, so He listens to every interview. Whenever there, a <laughs> horn goes off at his house, whenever, you know, uh, 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 whenever anybody mentions his name. And Blake Wexler, too, the same thing. If you don't throw their name in there, they get upset. Oh, you mentioned Chip? <laughs> And then you mentioned Chip Chantry. And what, what I, couldn't you throw in Pat House? Oh, sure, you mentioned Pat House. You mentioned Chip Chantry. Why can't you mention Ben, the guy who manages Helium? All right, I'll mention him too. All right, so he goes, what about towel hanging up means I'll use it again. A towel on the floor means I want a new one. And I go, what's a washcloth on your night table mean with a little lotion next to it? <laughs> and now we just pour that joke up, so it's not going to get the same, you know, obviously between us. But when I tell it on stage, I went on stage, and it was fun. Like, it was really, I went on stage, I did it. I'm like, wow, I got a big laugh. And it, it, even though it's a process I don't do, maybe I, don't, I say I don't enjoy it, probably mostly because I'm lazy, it, it was a fun process to fix that joke. And so in that sense, there was a little bit of me being a wordsmith,
0: which, right.
1: uh, which overwhelmingly I'm not but I could see the joy for people that are, because even me having a little dose of it was uh, quite rewarding.
0: There is Todd Glass, a man making a living on his words who is still quite unsettled on calling himself a writer, even if he has lessons for us on writing. Capturing ideas immediately when we have them. And don't be afraid of getting visual with editing, like on a hotel wall. Okay, that's this episode of The Writing Process, a conversation with writing masters. Look for The Writing Process wherever podcasts appear and subscribe. You'll be able to find all our episodes as we post them at writingprocesspod.com. Thanks to my guest, comedian Todd Glass, whom you can find on Twitter at Todd Glass, do check out his Netflix special, Act Happy, and check out his tour dates at toddglass.com. Our theme music is from James Spadola, who doesn't think it's strange at all that English uses an ing suffix to denote the present tense, unlike other Germanic and Romance languages. What a fool. I'm your host, Christopher Wink. Find me at Christopher Wink or Thrift Store Clothes Shopping. Until next time, remember, choose your words more carefully.